South Carolina fell just short of knocking off the number two Alabama Crimson Tide on Wednesday night, but it is very clear that Lamont Paris and this program are making progress. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for the latest headlines and potential storylines on South Carolina Gamecock athletics. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast, and also the lead staff writer for Gamecocks Digest over on SI.com. Thank you for making Locked On Gamecocks your first listen here today. We are free and available on YouTube and also wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. And it was almost a spectacular Wednesday night for South Carolina's men's basketball program. Coming into a game against the number two ranked Alabama Crimson Tide. A game that many people probably suspected South Carolina was going to be blown out in. South Carolina up to this point had yet to win a home game in conference play and Really, truthfully, besides a very early season win against Clemson and a very impressive road victory in Rupp Arena against the Kentucky Wildcats earlier in conference play, South Carolina had not really shown the ability to win big games like this one. And, you know, that goes with good reason because obviously... South Carolina is in the first year of a completely new regime. It's a completely different roster than what it has looked like the past several years. A roster full of guys that are developing and some other guys that are trying to figure things out in their own way. But this team took the Crimson Tide all the way down to the wire, losing just by two points in overtime. And it's clear that it's beginning to round it to the kind of team that head coach Lamont Paris envisions having here in Columbia. And this team now really just needs two things. They need time to master his system, and they obviously are in need of some help. They need some more pieces on this roster. Talking about the game specifically, offensively, South Carolina had three different players take over in key moments in this game. Gigi Jackson, he answered the bell in the first half against freshman star and embattled controversial figure right now, Brandon Miller. Now, obviously, Gigi Jackson has had his share of rough moments on the court this year. There's been times where he and Lamont Paris have seemingly not seen eye to eye in terms of sort of how things have unfolded on the court. But Gigi Jackson, in terms of playing against one of the budding stars in college basketball, he stepped up to the plate early on, especially when Brandon Miller was doing the same thing for his team in the Alabama Crimson Tide. Jackson scored 13 points in the first half, shooting 6 of 10 from the field. He was actually being willing to drive to the basket. He was able to pull off a couple of hesitation fadeaway moves from the mid-range playing off of that. He did hit a couple of decent long-range jump shots, and Gigi just looked like that, quite honestly, he could not be stopped in the first half at certain times. He was getting a lot of good looks, and South Carolina's team, and I think the crowd at the Colonial Life Arena, was feeding off of that. 
Michi Johnson, he really showed up when it mattered the most in crunch time later in the game. He scored or assisted on 11 of the Gamecocks' last 17 points in regulation. And he did this by doing what we've seen Michi do plenty of times now this season. Obviously, he's got the long range where he can quite literally hit three-pointers from 30 feet away from the basket. And, of course, hit that half-court shot right before the first half concluded. But Michi Johnson also is an extremely explosive athlete and explosive enough to where he can catch a defense flat-footed and basically have them trying to play catch-up for the rest of the possession. And he did that and took advantage of that by driving to the basket, getting a couple of solid looks himself, but also driving and kicking to open teammates because of all the attention that he drew from the Crimson Tide's defense at the end of this game. And another guy who, quite honestly, needs to be talked about more in terms of how the Gamecocks have improved throughout this season is Jacoby Wright. Jacoby Wright scored 14 of his 18 points on the night in the second half and overtime and made multiple clutch shots when the Gamecocks were down by, say, four to six points against Alabama and they looked to be slipping away. They needed a basket. And more often than not, when those situations presented themselves on Wednesday night, Jacoby Wright delivered for this team. I have to be honest, I know that Chico Cardier has been dealing with knee tendonitis a lot recently, but even when Chico gets fully healthy, and hopefully that's soon, and he comes back and is available for this team moving forward, I would be surprised if Jacoby Wright is not the starter in this lineup alongside Michi Johnson. Now, defensively speaking, South Carolina, obviously, there's one big reason that they did not win this game in the end, and that was because... Uh, they let Brandon Miller basically do anything that he wanted to do. They got beat on the fast break fairly often by Brandon Miller. Brandon Miller is a guy that's lengthy. He's got athleticism to add to that frame. And he's also a guy that can hit a plethora of shots from just about anywhere on the floor. He scored 41 points, shooting 14 of 25 from the field, and shot 6 of 13 from behind the arc. And another area that really killed South Carolina was fast break points. The Crimson Tide had 21 fast break points, and it seemed like at times, quite honestly, that South Carolina's team, and it's understandable because of the short rotation that they've been running all season, the accumulated fatigue and the pace of this game just sort of caught up to them, and Certain moments when they were trying to get back on defense, it didn't seem like that everybody was really 100% in. And again, that's not on them because when you're running six, seven, eight people for an entire 40-minute game and then you throw in a five-minute overtime period on top of that, your guys are going to get worn down. And that's what happened to South Carolina just one too many times on Wednesday night. Another area that South Carolina slipped up in that they need desperately to find some assistance with is the rebounding aspect of this team. Alabama had three different players grab at least eight rebounds on Wednesday night. The Gamecocks best rebounder was Josh Gray once again, but Josh Gray, even for what he's done recently, had a bit of a down night. He only had six rebounds of his own. South Carolina desperately needs to find some more depth in the front court. Now, of course, they've got a big-time 2023 signee in Colin Murray-Boyles, who is going to be arriving for the Gamecocks 
pretty soon and is going to be playing this next season. And as a guy that, depending on what all happens with Gigi Jackson and his future decision, he could maybe be starting, or at the very least, he could be playing significant minutes in South Carolina's front court. But until then, South Carolina's just got to pretty much play with what they've got. I don't know, admittedly, why Daniel Hankins Sanford did not see a single minute of playing time on Wednesday night. It seemed like this would have been a good game for him to get out there and provide at least, you know, six to ten productive minutes to where Hayden Brown and Gigi Jackson could have gotten their breath a little bit more, but that did not happen for whatever reason. Hayden Brown, admittedly, had a bit of an off night in terms of his impact. I believe he only scored four points and got three or four rebounds total. And Gigi Jackson, let's be honest, he does not have exactly the frame to go on in there and constantly try to grab boards. And sometimes he's just kind of trying to get back on offense if he's on the defensive end of the floor. So my overall point with mentioning all these stats, with mentioning all the different guys and what they did do on Wednesday night is that this team's record might not show it right now, but they are getting better. They've had multiple close losses in conference play, four of them by six points or less. When you look at the overtime losses to Vanderbilt and Georgia, the loss to Arkansas by just two points, and now an overtime loss to the number two ranked team in the country in the Alabama Crimson Tide, a team that some people have slotted as the number one overall seed potentially for the NCAA tournament at this current moment in time. So, There's been a lot of criticism lobbied towards South Carolina's men's basketball program this season, and admittedly, some of it has been justified because obviously South Carolina has not had enough decent showings on their home floor. For whatever reason, it does seem like that they have played better on the road, but the record does not always tell the entire story, and that's the main takeaway that fans need to have coming out of this game against the Crimson Tide, along with the obvious fact that, again, This team is getting better. You're seeing certain guys that a year ago, their contributions maybe weren't minimal, but they weren't exactly large enough to where everyone could sort of see that they were making an impact on the floor. But now you're seeing guys like Josh Gray and Jacoby Wright, especially, that are going out there making an impact. Eli Sparkman gave this team, I think, five to six productive minutes off the bench. A walk-on, for gosh sakes. So... Lamont Pears and this staff, they're getting just about the absolute best out of what they've got right now. All they need is some extra help. And obviously, they got a couple more steps they're going to have to take before they reach a point where they're going to start winning these games one after the other after the other. But the point is, they're not that far off, folks. If you give them some time, this team is going to put on a product that you're all going to be proud of fairly soon in the near future. Now, South Carolina, although they fell just short against the Alabama Crimson Tide on Wednesday night, there's another major sports team that has not been falling short recently in terms of their recruiting, and that has been, of course, South Carolina's football program. Dow Loggins, South Carolina's new offensive coordinator, could eventually start playing a much bigger role in that aspect with the time that he is now getting in Columbia, particularly with one running back prospect out of the state of Arkansas. Who am I talking about here? We're going to discuss this prospect in just a few moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. 
Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers will get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, it's secure, and it's super easy to use. It does not take long to sign up and create an account and be able to start betting on your favorite games in your favorite sports. You can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to three-pointers drain. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss out on your chance to get your no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Welcome back to this Thursday edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. Thank you for making Lockdown Gamecocks your first listen or watch here today. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Lockdown College Basketball, where you'll find everything you need to know about college basketball in just one place. Plus, you'll hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Lockdown College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Dow Loggins has obviously only been at the University of South Carolina for about the past two months or so. The Gamecocks are going to be taking the field for spring practice in just a few weeks where Gamecock fans, the media, and everyone alike are going to get their first glimpse as to what kind of offense the Gamecocks will be trotting out on the field under Dow Loggins' watch. But Dow Loggins is already making an impact for South Carolina's football program, particularly on the recruiting trail. And the most recent evidence to point to that notion revolves around running back prospect Braylon Russell out of Benton, Arkansas, who is a running back target that South Carolina fans are going to want to watch moving forward. And Dow Loggins could end up being the biggest key in this recruitment. It was reported by Phil Kornblut of Sports Talk Media Network yesterday that 2024 running back Brandon Russell is planning to visit South Carolina in the very near future. And when asked about his relationship with South Carolina's new offensive coordinator, Braylon Russell gave glowing remarks about South Carolina's new offensive play caller, saying, quote, me and him had a good relationship, so when he moved there, we kept the relationship going. That made me really start looking into South Carolina because of Coach Loggins. Now, in terms of the right back prospect himself, Braylon Russell, what could the Gamecocks potentially be looking at here if they can end up landing this Arkansas native in the very near future? Well, first of all, Braylon Russell is a guy that plays against some of the best competition high school football has to offer in the state of Arkansas, playing at 6A Benton High School, which I would imagine is the highest level classification in that state. And when watching his junior season film at Benton High School, it's pretty clear Braylon Russell is your quintessential SEC power back. He's got incredible short field agility for his bigger frame, being listed at six foot one, two hundred twenty five pounds, depending on which recruiting service website you look at. 
and that's mixed with his ball carrier vision and also his long field acceleration, which makes him a threat to both gain those bull yards that are needed in sort of third and short situations, but also be able to break off an explosive play to the edge or burst through the middle and weave his way past defenders. Braylon Russell can do a little bit of both in that aspect. And the other thing is, Braylon Russell, he's not just a guy that's just going to be handed the football every single play. He's also showcased the ability to catch the football out of the backfield. He can catch the ball in space. He can catch the ball in stride. And he can also even high point passes with defenders in his vicinity. So, to say the least, Braylon Russell is a guy that, again, can do a little bit of everything. And when you look at SEC running backs, while it's nice to have guys that can be a home run threat on any given play, like potentially Dontavious Braswell might be for the Gamecocks once he arrives this summer, you always want guys that are going to be able to really make those plays whenever you need them, which in the SEC and in major college football games, those plays typically are plays on third down, plays in the red zone, because here's the thing, not every offense can be like Tennessee where they can score at the snap of a finger. That's just not realistic to expect. So when you're an SEC offense and you're looking for skill players to build your offense around, Braylon Russell is the kind of running back that you look at and you say, I want this guy on our football team. And South Carolina, at this point, they've got a pretty decent list of guys that they are in contention for, guys that have some mutual interest in the program that are guys that I've mentioned on this show before, guys like Anthony Scuda Carey, Yasin Willis, and also Daniel Hill out of Alabama. So South Carolina, they've got some really good running back prospects there in the game four. But Dow Loggins, because of his private relationship with Braylon Russell out of Benton, Arkansas, could end up having a potential in with one of the better running back prospects, not just in the southeastern region, but in the entire country for the 2024 recruiting class. Again, South Carolina, they need to get at least one guy for this cycle. You have a who's who of running backs currently on your roster, but you don't really have a de facto running back one, at least at this moment in time. It's going to take probably spring practice and also fall camp to see who that's going to be for South Carolina 2023. But what if the answer potentially lies with the 2024 class? We'll see what happens, of course, with Braylon Russell's recruitment as it plays out. But needless to say, the Arkansas native is going to be one to watch in terms of South Carolina's football recruiting efforts over the next several months. All right, now we've talked some basketball, and we've also talked some football recruiting. And you know we got to end the show by talking about South Carolina's baseball team, which is just on an absolute tear right now. The South Carolina Gamecocks won another game by double-digit runs on Wednesday evening, defeating Queens University, I believe, out of the state of North Carolina by final score of 12 to nothing, a complete game shutout for the Gamecocks pitching staff and another solid performance by their batting lineup overall. The main storyline, in my opinion, coming out of this game, while it's easy to continue to point to the batting lineup this time, I'm going to give the main storyline nod to James Hicks, the starting pitcher for the Gamecocks on Wednesday afternoon, who made his own triumphant return 
to the mound. It was the first time that he had pitched, I believe, since February 26th of this past year, or at least I should say made a start. James Hicks did make a relief appearance for the Gamecocks, I believe for one or two innings against UMass Lowell this past weekend, but obviously that's a little bit different from him actually starting a game like this one. And here's the thing, James Hicks, he looked like he didn't miss a beat in the time that he was away from South Carolina's baseball team. His final stat line was quite efficient and impressive, to say the least. He pitched five innings, giving up just two hits, issuing two walks while striking out five batters, all on just 55 pitches thrown. James Hicks was throwing for strikes, and the Queens Royals batters were swinging at a lot of first pitches early and often. James Hicks, I think, recognized this early on in the game, and because of that, he was not afraid to attack the Royals' batters because James Hicks, basically, he pitched like a seasoned veteran pitcher on the mound yesterday. He trusted his defense, and obviously, for someone like an Eli Jerzenbeck or maybe some of the other guys that just enrolled at South Carolina for this past recruiting class that are looking to potentially be starting pitchers, maybe a Matthew Becker, they could take a thing or two away from what James Hicks did on Wednesday afternoon because when a pitcher continues to progress in their baseball career, one thing that a pitcher must learn and the really good ones end up learning over time is that, look, you could try to be like Justin Verlander from 2012 when he was with the Detroit Tigers and was getting like, 12, 13-plus strikeouts a game, throwing absolute gas with his fastball and showing spectacular stuff with his breaking balls. But at some point, you got to rely on your teammates behind you, your teammates in the infield and the outfield to make plays for you. And James Hicks pitched that way on Wednesday afternoon. But let's make no mistake about it. He wasn't completely pitching to contact. He also had some really good stuff. He was locating his fastball and his breaking balls. There was a lot of good action with each and every one of his pitches. And besides the third inning, where he walked his only two batters on the day, James Hicks was basically in command of this game from start to finish on his end. So, obviously, really great to see out of James Hicks, and something that all of Game Cognition, I know, was really hoping to watch on Wednesday afternoon, which was a clean performance from a guy that, like Jack Mahoney, has been through so much, passed on being drafted the 14th round of the Major League Baseball draft just a few months back to come back to Columbia and probably prove to those scouts that, hey, listen, I'm not going to lose a step or two because of this Tommy John surgery. I'm going to come back even better than I was before. And at least for this first start, it seems like that that is going to be the case. So, Congrats to James Hicks. Again, a phenomenal outing. And for South Carolina, if you are looking at guys that can maybe fill in as that fourth or fifth starter, if your starting rotation gets a little bit worn down at some point in the season, or, of course, you get to the postseason where, at certain times, you're going to need to rely on a fourth guy or maybe have a bullpen-type game. James Hicks, based on what he did today, he could end up being that very first guy that Justin Parker, the pitching coach, and Mark Kingston and this entire coaching staff looks at. Now, of course, we have to talk about the batting lineup still because South Carolina, for the fifth straight game, put out a double-digit output in terms of their runs scored. The batting lineup, however, did not have to do it this time via the long ball. They had 11 hits total in this game. Four of them were extra base hits. They did hit one home run, and they also drew another seven walks 
in this contest. So again, a continuing theme from what we've seen from this baseball team already this season. They are finding different ways to manufacture getting runners on base and also manufacture runs. And again, if you're a team that wants to win a lot of games and also a team that wants to compete for a championship, your team has got to be able to display the ability to get runs in a multitude of different ways. And South Carolina's continuing to do that, and they did so again on Wednesday night. In terms of the guys that really stood out the most, Gavin Casas went three for five with one home run, which was probably a much-needed performance for Gavin because admittedly, at the entire batting lineup up to this point in the season, heading into Wednesday night, he had sort of struggled, I guess, the most. He had only, I believe gotten three hits out of his first 14 at-bats, so this was a much-needed game for Gavin Costas in order to boost up his confidence probably at that first base spot. Ethan Petri, another really solid true freshman, this time on the hitting side of things for South Carolina. He went two for three on Wednesday afternoon. Now, I gotta say, the way Ethan Petri is playing right now, um, he may have etched himself his own spot in the starting lineup going forward throughout the rest of non-conference play at the least. And then Caleb Denny, the transfer out of Oral Roberts, he continues to really show up in this lineup for the Gamecocks. He went two for five on Wednesday night, and those two hits were both doubles in the right center field gap, and he scored five RBIs off of those two extra base hits. So again, not just hitting for power, but being able to hit in the gap, being able to poke one out of the infield, being able to draw walks to get extra base runners. These are things that teams that go to Omaha and teams that win championships can do in every given game. And again, it's early, and the competition has not exactly been fierce. But South Carolina is showing the ability to do all of that in spades at this moment in time. And the dangerous part is, it's not just one or two guys carrying the load right now. Everybody that is walking up to the batter's box right now is providing something valuable to this lineup. So South Carolina, they continue to do this through the rest of non-conference play and going into conference play with all these other just monstrous SEC pitching rotations and batting lineups in their own right. South Carolina will be a force to be reckoned with throughout the rest of this season, in the postseason, and they will firmly supplant themselves back on the national map in college baseball. A reputation that they deserve when it comes to this particular sport. So with that being said, y'all, that is going to do it for today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show. As always, what were your thoughts on the men's basketball team's close loss to the Alabama Crimson Tide? What do you think that they have proven in the last several weeks with some of these close losses in conference play? What are your thoughts on Braylon Russell, the role that Dow Lockets could play in his recruitment, and what he could do for South Carolina if the Gamecocks are to potentially land him later on down the line? And lastly, what are y'all's thoughts on this baseball team continuing to dominate the competition that is being put in front of them at this current moment. Let me know your thoughts down below in the comments section if you're watching today's show on YouTube or if you're listening to today's show on an audio podcast app, then you can also shoot me a message on Twitter at a line underscore SC is the username and I'll try to respond to your message as quickly as I see it. And once again, don't forget to make Lockdown College Basketball your second watch or listen now that you have watched or listened to 
the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. But again, y'all, that does it for me on today's show. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and I will catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. <laughs>